What's up, everyone, and welcome to the show. Before we get this episode started, I want to talk to you guys about Ready Nutrition. Ready Nutrition is for athletes who love to outwork the odds. They are a sports nutrition brand that not only has great products, but more importantly, has a great message, and that is why I am super grateful to be working with them as a brand ambassador. Anyone that knows me knows that I am very particular about what I put into my body. I want minimal ingredients, no sugar, all natural and high protein foods that help fuel my workouts and my day, and Ready Nutrition is exactly that. They have a full lineup of supplements like protein powder, protein bars, protein puffs, and protein water. The Ready Protein Water is one of the most unique items I've ever seen. There is no sugar, 1 gram of carbs, 0 grams of fat, and 15 grams of protein per bottle. They are the perfect pre or post workout drink or if you just need a snack with extra protein. Oh, and they taste amazing. I want to work with brands who share the same values as me, and Ready Nutrition does exactly that. Hard work conquers all, and it's not about where you start, it's about where you finish. I have a special offer for all my listeners. If you go to readyismade.com and use my referral code, ANTHONYP20, you can save 20% off your first order. Then, once you love the product as much as I do, you can go back to readyismade.com and order more while using my code in the referral box when you get to checkout. This will help support me and also help Ready Nutrition know who sent you. I wouldn't recommend a product if I didn't fully believe in it, so head to readyismade.com and try it out today. That's readyismade.com, R-E-A-D-Y-I-S-M-A-D-E. Dot com and use my referral code Anthony P twenty A N T H O N Y P twenty to save twenty percent off your first order and then when you go back enter my code again in the referral box and that shows that you support me and it also shows that you support Ready Nutrition. I appreciate it. Um, I think you guys are gonna love the products just as much as I do. I definitely would give it a try, especially the protein water. It's one of the one of the best products I've ever used, and, and I've used a lot over the course of my life. I appreciate you guys. Let's dive into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have the head women's basketball coach from Milliken University, Coach Olivia Letton. Coach, first and foremost, Thank you very much for joining me. I know we've been trying to get this scheduled for a while, and now with everything you know going on, it made it a lot easier than before. So I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So a little background, real quick, on Coach. You know, I'll give a brief summary, and then I'll let her dive into you know whatever else she wants to add, or you know. Um, go more into detail about but obviously like I just mentioned she's the head women's coach right now at Millican University a division three uh, program she was an assistant at Illinois Wesleyan also where she played she was also an assistant at the University of Chicago um, she had a very successful high school career and uh, that gave her the opportunity to play in college and then she went over and played a year of uh, professional uh, pro over in Spain and that's something I definitely want to talk to you about but I kind of want you to dive into a little bit more detail of what I just said, just kind of like your opportunity. You know, we could even start from when you were a player and just kind of dive into those, you know, when you played as far as in college and then you had the opportunity to play pro and then, you know, how you got into coaching and then like your coaching stops in between, you know, where you're at now. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I grew up in a small town, central Illinois. Um, I was a little different than kids today. I actually didn't play AAU basketball. Um, I was really, uh, I loved to be on the driveway. So I spent all every day during the summer um, on my driveway and just playing with my high school team. Uh, I was re- getting recruited by Division One schools after my freshman year and uh, knew kind of that I did not want to leave the Midwest. Um, and so I knew what schools I was already looking at. Uh, and so I never really, I never got into that AAU scene, um, which I think helped me kind of keep a little bit of the fire that I had. Um, I knew that I'd get burnt out if I played 75 games a summer um, between high school ball and AAU ball. So I just never did that. Um, went to Southern Illinois for a year and a half. Uh, had a lot of ups and downs there. Started right out of the gate um and dealt with a, an injury in my back that they couldn't figure out for a while ended up tearing my ACL at the end of the year which a lot of female athletes go through um 
went had a coaching change between freshman sophomore year and then uh transferred actually halfway through the year um through my sophomore year to Illinois Wesleyan um wouldn't change that for anything I think that's something that's unique about my path too is kind of the just having both the division one background and the division three background um played in two final fours there uh was able to win a national championship player of the year my senior year and that kind of propelled me into um obviously playing professionally and then coaching as well. Now, let me ask you this. I always find this interesting. Um, What was your mindset like when you got hurt? Because I'll be honest, especially a knee injury, that was always, you know, thank God, you know, knock on wood. I've never had, you know, an injury like that when I played. Obviously, I didn't either. But, like, I'm always interested to kind of hear people's take on it because I've talked to a couple people, especially lately. It's kind of weird that you mentioned that because I just think that it would be so hard to come back from that, just like the the rehab, and then almost even more importantly, the mental side of it, because obviously your knees, you do, you know, you cut, you stop, you go. It, it's so much wear and tear on them. So, what was your like your thought process throughout that entire you know um, situation? You know, the interesting thing for me is in my entire career, I have only missed, I think, um, and this is junior high, high school, college, I think I've missed a total of seven games due to injury. Um, So I tore my ACL going into our conference tournament. So I actually only missed one game. Um, And I think that changes things, too, when you're you're not sitting there watching games. There's such a long break before there's actually, you know, before it actually matters what your knee is doing. Um, and I think for me, that was tough because it's not like there's not this pressure like, oh, you know, I want to get back as quick as possible. You still got six months until there's another game anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that part was tough for me. Um, you know, freshman year, we talk about this with our freshmen a lot. Uh, we talk about just the mental side of it. You know, I struggled with that being away from home and not that I was super far from home, but all my siblings are younger than me. Um, and so being away from home and being injured is tough. Uh, and I think freshman year, you know, you see everybody has different projections. Some people start off really, really hot. Some people start off not so good. Um, and it's just a roller coaster of, you know, trying to figure out where you fit in and then you throw an injury into that. That's a whole nother thing. Um, and so I I would say I probably, uh, you know, being 18 years old, didn't attack it the way that I would now, (laughs) um, in the way that I try to get my student athletes to now. Um, I actually had a lot of scar tissue buildup. And so that was part of the reason that I did transfer. When, when I transferred, I knew that where my body was, I couldn't play at that level. Um, I knew that, that something had to be done to my knee. And so I ended up actually getting a second surgery uh, to get the scar tissue taken out uh, at the end of my sophomore year. And after that, I never had another issue. Um, but I, that would definitely, it changes the way that I approach it with our student athletes now in terms of being super aggressive at the beginning part and, and making sure that they understand that uh, as uncomfortable as it is sometimes, you've got to be willing to push through that. Um, and when I had that second surgery, that was a big part of it. Like, I remember my athletic trainer being like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, like, we have to make sure that scar tissue does not build up again. And, uh, you know, with age, you start to start to realize some of those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, okay, now I wanted to ask you about – you know, your professional career, because I'm always, I, um, I, I know a lot of girls that play overseas and I've actually had the opportunity to work with a couple of girls that play overseas and they've kind of told me their stories and, and how it's kind of, you know, not kind of how it's a lot different, you know, than here in terms of everything, you know, basketball, the environment, the atmosphere, everything like that. So like, what was that year like for you? Um, it's interesting that you bring that up at this time too. I, I tell everybody, this quarantine is how I felt when I was over there yep, <laughs> home yep. a lot of times because, you know, you're, I was in a small apartment, um, uh, with two other people that didn't really speak much English. Um, so I was in Spain, uh, and you know, you're waiting for people in America to wake up so that you can talk to them on FaceTime, which is the way that a lot of people are communicating now anyways. Um, you know, for me where I was, it rained every day. Like it would be three straight days, hundred percent chance of rain. Uh, and so there wasn't a lot of leaving your apartment. Um, practices were at nine o'clock at night. Uh, we'd have kind of a workout at noon. If you wanted to do it, it wasn't a required thing. Um, and there's only so much you can work out, (laughs) you know, you you get at some point in time, you got to let your body rest and recover too. And, And so that part was really interesting. We only played one game a week. Um, so again, you're training, you know, six days a week to play one, uh, And on those days that it's off, there's not a lot going on because, you know, in Spain, everything kind of shuts down 
on Sundays. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it, it felt very much like this time feels right now. Uh, the basketball side of it was pretty unique too. Uh, I, I felt like they, um, they expected the Americans to kind of do everything. Yeah. <laughs> you were expected to be the best player on offense. You were expected to guard the best player on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was different for me. I wasn't really known for my uh, defensive abilities in college. So that was unique. Um, uh, at that time, you know, the Euro step hadn't really progressed to over here and kind of the way that they can get away with the Euro step over there is a whole nother level. And so that kind of changed things defensively too. Um, in terms of you felt like you got somewhere to cut somebody off and then they just Euro around you. So that was unique. Um, I love the 24 second shot clock. It makes the game just a little bit faster. Uh, you don't think it makes that much of an impact, but, but it really does. Um, one of the things that I thought was a, a big difference was practice style. Uh, and I don't know if it was just the program that I was part of, but in my opinion, we practice a lot harder in America um, yeah. in terms of how, how much you're expected to give every single day. You know, uh, one of my teammates at one point in time joked about the fact that it looked like I was running football routes out there because as soon as a rebound got, you know, somebody got it, I was off. Um, and that was something that they weren't used to. And truthfully, it wasn't really part of my game when I was in college, but it was, that's where I saw that there was an opportunity was, okay, let's get out and go. Um, which is interesting since it was such a short shot clock that that wasn't something that they really emphasized a lot. So there was a lot of things that were just a little bit different. Um, wish I would have gone back, wish, you know, at 22 when your family's at home, you get homesick. Um, and I think, that's something that people don't realize sometimes is is how tough that gets, how um, how lonely it gets at times, especially depending on where you're at. Um, but uh, I, I think it was a great opportunity. Uh, and I, like I said, I wish I would have gone back and kind of toughed it out a little bit uh, just to see what how that would have progressed. Yeah, and, and whenever I like I talk to anyone or, or I hear any stories about overseas stuff, I always just I always think about that uh that Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi like podcast thing they did about when they were over in Russia and like hearing that mm-hmm. story and just like and the fact that like so many players go over there, you know, obviously girls especially, you know, to in order to make, you know, the money that they don't get over here right. and, and and all that stuff. And then like you just touched on like the lonely aspect. Any player that I've ever talked to or that I've ever worked with, when they're going back, it's almost like they're going to like boot camp. Like, oh man, like <laughs> I, I got to go. You know, I'm going where you know God knows where. You know, all over. Right. And it's like, oh, like you're well, you're going to play basketball. Like, you know, you're going to get paid to play basketball. That, that that's true. That's fine. And then it's like, no. But if you actually hear like what goes on when they're yeah, the basketball is great, but you don't play basketball. You know, 24 hours. Right. You know, every day. So, like, to me, that's always interesting. It's always interesting. But Yeah, and I, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I was in Spain. I spoke enough Spanish to at least be able to get by. Um, I'm, I'm happy I went somewhere with the language barrier just to experience that, and that's something that with our program, you know, we've talked about wanting to take international trips so that our kids have to experience that uh, because I do think that that's unique. You know, prior to that, I had no desire to travel overseas for anything. Um, and now I think it's an experience that people should have at some point in time in their life. Yeah, because like you mentioned, it's that language barrier, too, that I think would be really, really interesting because, like, you really have to learn to communicate. You know, like, as dumb as that sounds, like, you think about, like, communication, like, in basketball terms, like, think about communication in terms of, like, explaining, like, what you want to eat and, like, <laughs> and like stuff like that. So I do find that interesting. But then, so then kind of fast forward then, so after that, you know, what did you do immediately after you were done playing? Did you always know that, you know, like you wanted to coach or was it kind of something that just came about or, or how did that all, that all uh, unfold? Yeah, so um, I was a math ed major in college. Um, I thought I was going to go back to the high school level. I'm kind of one of those people that wherever I am at that point in time, that's where I, that's where I see my future, you know. Um, so when I was in high school, I thought I was going to teach high school, teach math and coach high school basketball. When I was at Southern Illinois, I thought I was going to be a division one basketball coach. When I was at Wesleyan, I thought I was going to be a division three basketball coach. Um, and, uh, you know, that's afforded me well, because it, it does mean that like when I am there, I'm bought into whatever I'm doing. Um, but when I came back, you know, so I went right back to what I was doing basically. Um, I didn't know if I was going to get another contract or not. So I was, uh, I substitute taught, um, 
and was a volunteer assistant for Wesleyan the first year uh, and then was a graduate assistant the next two. Um, my dad coached football when I was little. My mom was a PE teacher. Uh, and so that's kind of all I've ever known has been my, my siblings have gone on and now they've done um, more professional careers in terms of dentistry, occupational therapy, um, things like that. Uh, but I, I've done what I, what I knew growing up um, and where my passion has been. Uh, and so, yeah, I kind of already always knew that that's what I was going to go into when I was in college. I had started training kids. Um, and so when I came back, I kind of grew that base. Um, and that year that I came back, I had probably 30 kids that I was working with, um, which has helped me in recruiting now too, uh, because those kids were, you know, junior high kids at that point in time. And now they're high school kids looking for college colleges to go to. Uh, and so that's, that's very interesting. Um, you know, I, I thought that I wanted to stay at Wesleyan when I was there too. Uh, and I think my experience at Chicago was great because I thought I was ready for a head coaching job. Um, you know, at 24, you think that you know everything. Uh, yep. And I think going to Chicago gave me another perspective. Um, it actually gave me the defense that we run now. Uh, and so it was nice to to just get out there um, and see how something else was ran uh, and it not be just, oh, this is this is the only thing that I know. And uh, so I, I'm really happy that I had that experience before getting a head coaching job. Yeah, and then and you touched on it earlier, but like the fact that you have experience in, in, with in coaching with Division One and Division Three. Now, do you use that kind of as like a a tool when you're recruiting? Like maybe if you're recruiting a kid, and I know, and I'm and I know you know that some kids are you know they're dead set on oh I'm going here, I'm going there, and it's like. You're not, but like I'd love to have you here. <laughs> you know, like right. it's like it's like one of those situations. So, do you kind of like use that sometimes, like with a kid, like you know, if they want, oh no, I'm gonna try to go here. If I'm gonna try to go there, and you're like, listen, like I was there. Like I, I don't know if you're there, but you're definitely, you know, you're here. You know, like right. do you try kind of try to like I don't want to say pinch them, but you know what I mean. Do you use that? Absolutely. You know, one of the things when I transferred. um, you know, I was still looking at Division One schools. Uh, I was looking at a couple of Division Two schools and then some Division Three schools. And one of the things one of the Division One coaches said to me, it's actually uh, Amanda Levins. I believe she's at maybe Nevada now. Yep, Nevada. Um, she said, uh, don't ever lose your Division One work ethic. Um, and, you know, some people might take that as a slam, but it, the whole thing was, I'm not a, I'm not a freak athlete. <laughs> um, you know, I got to the Division One level because of how hard I worked. And... Uh, how many hours I put in. And I, you know, that, that gave me that opportunity. Um, and so I think that's something that as a player, I really try, you know, those days where I didn't want to go to the gym, the days where it was like, nobody else is there. Um, nobody else is doing it. You know, that really just stayed in my mind. And I think as a coach, it has still stayed in my mind. And so, you know, I remember the things that Southern did to get me there, you know, like, how did they recruit me? How, um, you know, how, what styles did they use? How often were they at the, my games? How often were they contacting me? That type of stuff. Um, and so in that way, I definitely think it's influenced it. I also think, uh, yeah, like you said, <clears throat> I've experienced it at both levels. And I think one of the things people don't realize about Division Three sometimes is, one, the top level is really good. Um, on, uh, on any given night, uh, you know, we've got an opportunity to knock down a mid-major type school at the division one level um if you are a top top tier division three school uh and that, that was something that when i transferred i struggled with um was defensively at the division one level i felt like there was kids that were phenomenal uh three-point shooters you know if they if the ball touched their hand it was going in um and then there was kids that were phenomenal drivers but you didn't have a lot of people that could do both fairly well mm -hmm. um they were typically one or the other and at division three uh, I would say you have a lot more at kids that are, can do both. Now they're not going to do either one to the level that you see at that division one side, uh, but they can do both well enough that you've got to respect both. And so defensively, you can't go out there and just scheme for one thing or the other thing. And I think that changed quite a bit. Um, the other side of it is we pull great crowds um, because we recruit a little bit more locally you know, that's one of the things that people don't realize about some of those higher levels sometimes is you you're playing in big arenas with not very many people in there. We're playing in smaller arenas with potentially more people in it. Um, 
because of the fact, because of how much we recruit local, uh, you know, you're getting a chance to compete for a championship. Uh, and so those are the things that we're selling to kids is the idea of, you know, you are, you're, that's what you really dream of when you're a little kid, when you're a little kid, you don't care where you're going to play. You're thinking about playing in front of your family and your friends and playing for in big games and, and playing in front of big crowds and competing for championships. Um, and I think that a lot of times we're going to give them a better chance to do that on a more consistent basis than you're going to get at some of those higher levels. And that's what I felt at the Division three level. Yes, I chose a Division one school that was fairly close. And it felt like, oh, yeah, my friends and my family will be there a decent amount. But it was still three hours away. You know, they're, they're coming to, my friends are maybe coming to one game a year where when it's, you know, closer, um, when you're competing for a championship, everyone gets excited about it. Then when it's just a regular game and, you know, it might be, even if it's only an hour away, that might happen once a year. Ours, you know, with our conference being closer, it's just a lot easier to be excited about those things. Yeah. And, and you hit on a couple things that, that, that kind of hit with me because obviously, you know, I walked on at a division one program, but my, my intentions were a little bit different. You know, my intentions, I always knew I wanted to coach, you know, ever since mm-hmm. I was little, you know, everyone wants to be a policeman or a fireman or, you know, whatever the heck they want to be. I wanted to be a basketball coach. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I would openly tell people that. And that was, you know, that was my goal. And so when it came time for me to, to pick a school, um, I had some looks from a lot of Division twos, some Division threes, you know, just a lot of schools. But ultimately, like, I really wanted to go to a, to a school that I figured that I could learn a lot from. You know, so I, I knew that wherever I went, you know, I obviously ended up going to Robert Morris, but I thought, you know, I'll go to Robert Morris and then I'll just take in everything I can, you know, like from a, from a learning perspective. Like, yeah, was, was I going to play 25, 30 minutes a night? Like I was going to work like I was going to, you know, like, right. I mean, I wasn't going in with the attitude of, oh, I'm just never going to play. But it was one of those situations where it's a win-win for me. You know, if, hey, if I go in here right. and, and I work hard and I get on the floor, then great. If I go in here and I work hard and I don't, I'm still learning a ton. And, Absolutely. And, and, that, and that's kind of what I try to sell players now. It's like, what is your goal? Like, do you want to coach? Do you want to play? Because like, I'll be honest, if anyone, you know, any players that I work with or any players that listen to this, like if you want to coach and you have the opportunity to walk on at a good program, whether no, regardless of the division, you know, if it's a good coach Absolutely. and they have a good program, walk on or, you know, do whatever you got to do to get there. Because that has, I'm so grateful that that I did that decision, like or made that decision. Because I get I get a lot of questions about like, oh, like what if you would have went here, or what if you went there, you know? Yeah, but number one, I didn't, you know. <laughs> and number right. two, and number two, I don't think about that. I have zero regrets, you know. Like right. I have no regrets in, in my in my choices. But then you also hit on a good point. And something I think that we could even talk about more is like the idea of the crowds and the facilities and the location and like coming from, you know, and I'm sure you can relate to this, coming from a kid that went on to play college basketball, like that matters. You know, like right. that, that really matters to kids. Like you want to, oh, well, what's their gym look like? You know, you want to Google, you know, oh, well, what's their gym look like? What's their campus look like? What's this look like? What's that look like? Because that all matters. And then, like you said, you know, there's a lot of Division One programs. They, they, they pull like a hundred some people a game, <laughs> you know, like, like they don't get anyone there. And, and I'm so happy that you, you, I mean, you had a great, a great, great point. Like you grow up, you, you're not thinking like I want to play here or there. You're thinking I want to play in front of large crowds and family and right. friends and big games because a lot of the times some schools that people think that they could get that at, they actually can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you talked about uh, kind of going back to your first one there. Um, you know, what's important to you? I, I tell kids that all the time. You know, in the recruiting process, that you have to figure out what are the when you look back on your college experience. What are the, you know, three things that you most want to say that you did? And for everybody else, for everybody, that's different. Like you said, you want to be a coach, you know, like, absolutely. Um, our best player right now, Jordan Hildebrand, she wants to be a nurse 100%. If it came between basketball and nursing, she's going to choose basketball. You know, she was a dual sport athlete when she first came here. She ended up dropping softball. And I know that about Jordan. That's how she made her decision. Um And, you know, for me, when I transferred, it was that I wanted to win. I wanted to win a national championship. Um, I knew educationally that I was going to get the same experience kind of wherever I went because I was going into education. Um, I was going to have the same opportunities, but I wanted to win. And because, you know, when you look at a school, 
Um, it may have every other pro, you know, to somebody else. It might have everything they need, you know, a gorgeous campus. It's got, you know, it's located here. It's got this and this and this. But if none of those things are what matters the most to you, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talk about with kids during the recruiting crisis. You have to figure out what is the most important thing to you. Because if we don't have it, we're not the right fit anyways. I can sell you all day on what I think is great about our program. But yeah. if it's not what you actually want, you're not going to get what you want out of this experience. Yeah. Um, and, 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 not, and not to cut you off, but I, I mean, j- that goes back to like the relationship side of things. You know, like the idea of there's so much more, you know, than X's and O's and, you know, drills and, and you know, plays and all. I mean, there's just so much more to that, especially when you're talking about college. Like, I mean, er- literally every coach I've talked to has, has, you know, stressed to me how important it is, you know, to understand and to relate to people and to be honest with them and to, you know, like let them know, you know, you, what what's real and what's not in essence, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, good coaches – they're good coaches, you know, they're good basketball coaches, you know, great basketball coaches, you know, whatever it is. And that's important. You know, you have to know your stuff, but I feel like that's, you know, should go without saying, but then like Absolutely. you, but then like what you were just touching on with the idea of like the, the things that aren't basketball related, like your major, <laughs> like that's, that's something that I actually find like kind of funny. Like when I'm talking to kids now and like looking back on it, I mean, I'm not even gonna lie. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I mean, mm-hmm. who really does, you know, my mom right. like, jokes all the time and says she still doesn't know what she wants to do, you know? So like that, that that's, it's kind of funny that you have to make that decision, but like, you should have a general idea. So, like, you shouldn't pick a school based on, you know, oh, they want me to come play. Well, what are you going to major in? Oh, I don't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go play basketball. Like, no, that, that matters. Right. <laughs> like, you got to right. know. And, and those are the things that just aren't basketball related that, that you have to take in consideration, at least in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think that we see prob- we probably see kids that have a little bit better idea typically at Division III um because it's not like they're putting all their eggs in the uh athletics basket um but uh you know we still get some kids that don't have any idea what they're doing and and you've got to understand that sometimes college is a a opportunity to figure that out and so what school is going to give you the best chance to figure that out too exactly um but, uh, but, but the but, other thing that you had talked. Oh go no ahead. no no! Go go ahead go go ahead. finish your thought. Well, the other, <laughs> I was going to move on to the um, crowd side of it. Yep. Okay. Good. 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 Um, you know, so one of the things that we talked about this year, you know, at the end of the year, uh, I asked him, you know, what were some of your favorite moments from the season? You know, what were uh, the things that stand out as the best best times? Um, you know, and obviously there were the big wins and blah blah blah. And one of them that stuck out was our, our game at Wesleyan that we actually lost. Um, and there was a few other ones similar to that. And I'm like, why? Well, they're like, well, just just the feeling, you know, like the feeling that I had during those games. And and so we talk a lot about it's not just the wins and losses. It's, you know, it, being in those moments. It's how how hard you compete together and finding a team that competes that hard and works that hard. And those those are the things that stick with you, not the like, oh, you know, we played this game, this, you know, stupid game in practice this day. And it was a whole bunch of fun. Like those things don't don't last. What you remember is, you know, how how hard you had to work so that you weren't letting your teammates down. And I remember in that game at one point in time, because this is something that's big for us, is I don't want them to miss out on those moments when they're in it. Um, You know, we were in a timeout and I said, stop for a second. I said, look around. I said, look at the crowd that you are playing in front of right now and how invested everybody is. And the fact that half the crowd is in blue right now and it's an away game, you know, like you guys created this. These are those moments when you look back 10 years from now, like those are those that's the the good old days that people talk about. And those moments that you never forget, like that's it right now, like feel it, like soak all of this in, regardless of what happens in this game. And I think that's something that a lot of times kids miss. And I know I missed it a lot on the way to our national championship. It was national championship or bust. Um, And so I'm really pointed about making sure that our kids don't miss those moments along the way. Yeah, and it's funny that you said that because I never really thought about that. Like, obviously, I have a ton of games in, in my high school career that that I remember very, very well, and you know, they're like memories I'll never forget. But college, I never really thought about it. But now you're bringing it up, and and the first game that kind of came to my mind was when we played Mount St. Mary on the road, and it was like, and that was actually a game I got some minutes in, and it was like, man, it it was 
it was unbelievable. I mean, I mean the the band was playing and the crowd mm-hmm. was wild and it was like one of, it was one of those games where like you get fired up like when you're warming up. You know, right. like like you're like you feed off that in warm ups. Like the game didn't even start yet and you're already like really excited. So I, I agree, like I I feel for, for players that never get to experience that because you can't you can't really describe it. You know, like you, you could right. just say, Yeah, there's a lot of people there or it was loud or you know, whatever, but like everything about it, like the way it feels, like just the thought of it like gives me goosebumps because it's like, right. man, like you can't you can't recreate that either. You know, like exactly. you can't even if, you know, I, obviously I wouldn't know because I've never been a head coach, but I bet even, like, as a coach, like, is that is it different or is it the same as, like, when you played in terms of, like, how it feels? Oh, it's different because, you know, I want the ball in my hands. So uh, yep, well, yep. that part about it is different. Um, you know, I want to take the big shot. Uh, but it's it's a different – it's – you, there's a sense of pride, but in a different way um, in terms of, you know, somebody else getting to experience it. You know, I like to make the big pass as much as I like to make the big shot. And that's kind of what it, that's what it's similar to, you know, mm-hmm. um, is you're you're getting super excited for somebody else, too. Um, and so it's different. Um, I, I think, though, that that's one of the things that it, if we try to get recruits to come to our game so they can see some of that, so they can experience some of that from the crowd side of it. Because again, I don't think that you get that a ton at the division one or division two level, at least on the women's side, um, because they're not drawing huge crowds like that very often, uh, you know, from, if you're not a Oregon, a UConn, um, you know, the specialty games for some of those mid mid major schools, uh, you just don't get that same experience. And that's what a lot of kids got in high school. You know, those are the the things that they loved about their high school was um, building that crowd, building that environment around their games um, to never have that again. You know, th- that's tough. And so I think that's one of the big things about when I transferred back, that was so much fun was playing in front of, you know, we hosted a final, we hosted the final four my junior year. And so it was literally in front of all of my friends and family. Um, and that was really cool. Uh, it was like the good old, good old days in Shirk. That was the gym that we played in where, you know, it was standing room only. There's people standing around the top, um, balcony. And that's something that I will never forget as much as, you know, winning the national championship the next year. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and again, I think that it's like, it's like, and it's able, again, it's easier to say now, like looking back, but like, it's one of those things where like, you got to enjoy the little things if you're so focused on, you know, the end goal, like you talking about, like it was national championship or bust, like you didn't think about like the little moments like that. And and now that that you're bringing that up, it has me thinking back just to like, yeah, like I really took that for, you know, not for, I don't want to say for granted because that makes it sound bad, but like I I wasn't in the moment and I wasn't there like I should have been. And I think if I would have been, I probably would have appreciated more like in the moment of it. But, but then kind of, okay, so now obviously we're talking all about that. Let's stay on like your program. So now your program, just kind of, kind of give me a summary of, of of what you guys are, you know, like what you're about. I know you've only been there for a couple of years, so kind of what you've come in and and, ha- and what you're, you know, you're building or have built up to this point, and just kind of things like that. Yeah, so uh, we just finished my second season. Um, so first season with a full recruiting class. Um, you know, our main focus when I got the job was to get back to controlling the area in terms of recruiting. Uh, and I think we've done that a little bit. Um, you know, we, last year, uh, we got the player of the year from, uh, you know, 45 minutes away, um, another top player from 45 minutes away. And then we got the local player of the year, uh, with this incoming class. So I think that's, um, that was one of our main focuses is we wanted to get back to controlling this area. Uh, and now, now that we've started to reestablish who we are in the area, now we'll start to go out and try to get, you know, some top kids from other places, whether it's other states, whether it's other cities, all of those type of things. Um, but, you know, our athletic director at Wesleyan always said, um, you know, it's the team that wins is the one that gets off the bus with the best players most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really take that to heart. You know, I think I am probably an average coach, you know, but, uh, uh, when it comes to recruiting, we bust our tails. Um, and I tell recruits that in the process is I, I think I am really good when it comes to individual school skill development. 
I have a ton of work to do when it comes to X's and O's. Um, and I'm going to make mistakes. And I think that's one of the things about our program that people respect is we are, we try to be very real. Um, I don't hide anything. And so, you know, when we have camps during the summer, we have our prospects camp. Last year, I yelled at our high school camp. Um, I got so mad. I just I blew up and I said, you know what, guys, I told you, like, I'm not going to hide anything like you are going to get me. Um, and I think people appreciate that the good and the bad, like you're going to see all of it. Um, you know, and you know, some of it is just the levels that I've played at, but we, we know what it takes to be successful at a very high level. Uh, and so we demand that of our kids is it's gotta be an everyday thing. It's the attitude that you walk in. It's the body language that you walk in with. It's how much effort that you're given every single day. And, and when you do that, we're going to celebrate the heck out of it. Um, we're going to have a blast. We're going to get excited about those things. You know, when I was in high school and early college, I was really one of those players that was act like you've been there before, you know, act like you've been there before, act like you've been there before, um, hit a big shot, you know, no big deal. And junior and senior year, I really started to change that um, and show a lot more emotion and realize that's a lot more fun. Um, and so that's kind of our mentality too, is yeah, we're going to demand a lot of you, but when you get it, we're going to celebrate the heck out of it. Um, and so, you know, we take charges, we get on loose balls and our kids are getting jacked up. Um, and sometimes other teams don't like that. (laughs) And, but I'm okay with that. Um, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna outwork you and we're gonna have more fun while doing it. Uh, and that's really our mentality. We go into every game with kind of a chip on our shoulder and being okay with being the team that people may not like, you know, mm-hmm. um, but uh, knowing that our fans respect the heck, we're also the team that people don't want to play um, mm-hmm. because of how hard we play. And that was even the case last year when last year we won eight games. Um, you know, we got a lot of compliments about how hard we played. Uh, and that some of that is the style that we play, uh, the defense that we play. We stole from um, Hope College, which is, you know, always a top 10 school in the country. And then University of Chicago, which is, you know, the last four years. And then before that, when Aaron Roussel was there, um, has been very successful. I've been in the top 20, 25, quite a few years. Uh, so we stole it from both of those programs. Um, and it just leads itself to play. You have to play hard. Otherwise, you're not going to see the floor. Um and we get up and down. We play an exciting style. You know, that was a big part of it, too, is I did not want to slow it down. No, there aren't very many kids that want to play a slow it down style right now. And so we get out and go. Um, you know, we averaged close to 70 points this year and we still turn the ball over 20 times. So if we can ever clean that up, um, we're going to be really scary. Uh, but uh our kids have bought into it. They've bought into, uh, you know, what we're trying to build. Uh, we talk about um, championships, which is, you know, we talked about championships at the beginning of this year. We won eight games last year. Um, I think some people probably think I'm crazy when it comes to that. We we started breaking this year on champs. When we break every huddle, we say champs um, because I want them to be reminded of what we're, what we're doing, what we're trying to build. Um, where we're trying to get. It's not just, you know, winning a few more games. It's not just winning the conference title. It is, it's trying to make a run. Um, and it takes us doing that every day. Yeah, yeah, and and you hit on a couple things. Number one, the first thing being like you have to have good players to win games. Like I, I I'm, I mean, I, I'm like I'm all for like you know, if especially at the you know college level, like oh, you want to recruit good people. Like I agree, you should be. But at the end of the day, like if there's a really good player and like they want to come and maybe they maybe they don't have the best attitude, you know, whatever. Like you're gonna you could work on that. You know, you could try to maybe you know help them. But at the end of the day, like you're not just gonna go recruit. Oh, you know she's a really good kid she's not really good player but she's a really good person you know like you need good players to win games you know like and 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 i'm i'm ginormous on like preaching to players like you have to be a good person like i mean i mean there's no doubt about that but also yeah you got to have good people to win games you know so you know i will say too you know uh heart is a big part of that you know i but we built uh, when i the day i got the job my first phone call was to a kid that played aau for me Um, She ended up tearing her ACL this year, so she only played seven games. But you look at her stats, her stats aren't very good. And I I told her that. I said, Mags, man, if you were not who you are and how hard you play um, and just she's the glue for our team, uh, you know, you wouldn't play. 
Um, but she just, that's the type of kid that I decided to build my program around, you know, because she came in, she took some bullets for me with the team in terms of changing the culture, changing how hard people worked, changing what the expectation was with those things. You've got to have a kid that's willing to take some hits and willing to have some people that don't like them, um, in order to be able to change a culture right away. Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. And those players are invaluable. You know, like, like, like those are like the, I mean, like the Draymond Greens, you know, like yeah. the, like the glue, like you said. I mean, you, you described it perfectly. The, the the glue players. I mean, everyone needs players. There's some actually teams that have a lot of talent and they don't have that guy or girl. You know, so definitely. like it's like they need that. So I I definitely agree that there's a time and a place for that. Now, I, this is kind of related, kind of not. But I want to come back to this, but you just had me thinking when you were talking. Do you think that being a successful player? has helped you, you know, become a, a successful and, and a good coach? Like, like, did that kind of go hand in hand or, like, not really? Because I, I'm one of those guys that I, I don't think you have to be a good player to be a good coach. I don't think you, you know, I don't think they go hand in hand. I think they're actually very different, <laughs> you know, and I know you can relate to that because obviously you're, you're a head coach. I'm, I'm in a different situation than you are, but, like, I know a lot of people that, I mean, they're they're just not good players at all. But they really right. they really understand. You know, they really understand I, basketball, and and they get it. You know, they have a high IQ. And then I know players that are like, man, they can play, and they can't teach anything at all. And like, right. so like, I, I'm always interested to hear from a successful player, like if you think that that that, that played a role in where you're at now. Uh, I think that there's pluses and minuses to it. Um, you know, I think some of the reason that it has helped me is because I was a real cerebral player to begin with. You know, like I was very methodical. I saw the game. Um, it wasn't based on pure athleticism. Uh, so I think in that way, because I thought the game a lot to begin with, I think it helped me because I, I do know what it feels like to be in some of those situations. Um, places where it's tough is sometimes I really struggle to be able to verbalize things to them. Um, so I can just see it and I know what the right decision is and, but I don't know why it's the right decision. If that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I struggle with communicating that to them. So there's times where I've got to jump into a drill and I have to do it and I have to think about what I'm doing in order to be able to, in order to be able to relay that to them. Um, where I think that's probably where the disconnect comes sometimes with people that were really good players is I don't think they know why they did it. I don't think they, and I think they struggle with communicating it. Um, and so then sometimes they don't jump in and try to think through those things. Uh, I'm really big on if they don't understand some me saying something the first time I try to reword it. Uh, because a lot of times them not doing something isn't because they're just, you know, ignoring what I'm saying. It's because they don't actually understand what I'm saying in the way that I'm saying it. And so I really, really work on trying to come up with other ways to say things. Um, You know, I told our point guard this year, I said, I am not frustrated with you. I I may be frustrated with you a little bit. Um, I said, but I'm more frustrated with the fact that I can't come up with a way to communicate it to you to where it really just clicks. Um, Because I was a big point guard. And so I really struggle, you know, because she's 5'5". Um, I struggle communicating with her and struggle with, you know, seeing the floor the same way that she does because it's not the way that I saw it. And so I think there's really, really some limiting factors sometimes. Um, but I don't think it's, I definitely don't think that playing is something that you have to, it has, it's a, you have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and, and not to cut you off, but like when you're talking about like the verbalizing thing, I think one of the things that I, that I initially struggled with when I started working with players is like common sense to me, what they didn't know what that was, you know, like, so I I would tell a player like, okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to catch it here and you're going to like reverse pivot or, you know, you're going to front pivot and then you're going to, and then like, they would just be staring at me and I'd be like, well, you, like, what are you, like, what are, what are you staring at? And you'd almost get like kind of annoyed, like you said, like, yeah. like, are are they not listening? Like, are they not paying attention? And it's like, no, like they don't know what a reverse pivot is. You <laughs> know, like, right. the, like they don't know what that is. And that's something that, like, to this day, I'll catch myself sometimes. Like, I'll be working with especially younger kids, and okay, we're gonna jab step, and then we're gonna do, and they're and they're kind of looking at me, and I'm like, okay, wait, well, yeah, okay, I got, we got to talk about, you know, a jab step, you know. So then we take that time, we got to talk about it. So like when you were just when you were bringing that up. That kind of resonated with me and something that I really, really worked on and really became, you know, a lot better in, in terms of like that, that like communication factor with the, with the quote unquote basic basketball terminology, I guess we can call it. 
Well, we've talked about, you know, we've texted each other a little bit just about basic skills. You know, there's mm-hmm. to me, there's not enough kids going to camps anymore. Everybody's playing AU basketball, so everybody's footwork is terrible. Yes. Um, they don't know a lot of the terminology. They don't know how to do those things. You know, I grew up going to camps uh, through high school. You know, if I wanted to go to a school, I went to their camp. Um, that's how I got noticed, uh, and that's how I got better. Uh, and so I just – that part's tough too. And, you know, so they get to college and they don't know a lot of those things. They don't know some of that terminology. Um, and even, you know, you know, high school kids that come to our camps, um, I I think that there's, there's disconnect there in terms of, uh, making sure that everybody's kind of understands some of those basics. Yeah. And, and, and the, the idea of, like the understanding, like you were talking about, like the footwork stuff, like you just mentioned, we were talking, we were texting the other day about, you know, that footwork to us that we were discussing is simple. <laughs> you know, like that's right. that's basic, like, yeah, I don't understand why people do that. And then, then you got to remind yourself, like, okay, well, we're coaches, so, like, we got to understand why, you know, we got to understand why they do it because we got to fix it. But, I mean, to this day, I, I mean, I battle with high school kids about different things and college kids even, you know, in some cases, and, hey, listen, you know, you're not going to be able to get away with that or you're not going to be able to do that. And I think that goes back to the the player side of it and, and something I think we both can relate to. Like, listen, we played at, at this level or that level. Like, it's never going to fly. You know, like, right. and that's what I tell kids that that, w- that want to talk to me. And that's a, why another reason why I'm grateful that I had the opportunity I did because I know what that level's like. You know, I mean, Robert Morris is a, is a mid-major at best. They might even be considered a low-major now. I'm not sure. But they're still a Division One program, and, and that goes to show how good, you know, you have to be to even play at that level. And, like, right. I, I know you can relate to that, too. So it's like, you know, if they're adding, like, we're, you know, that little hop at the end of their shot or a little this or a little that, it's like that half a second may not be a big deal now, but that's going to be a ginormous deal like when you get to right. college. And, and to me, if your goal is to play in college, you have to work like, you know, like you're getting ready to, for college. You know, like the, right. the stuff that, and I know you can relate to this and you could speak on this if, you know, if you want to add anything. But like there, I see so many things that, that players do in high school. And I just think, think to myself, that is never going to work in college. You know, like right. it, you may score 25, 30 points a game. But you're not going to get half those shots off. You're not going to be able to get to the rim and finish like that. You know, like, so, like, to me, it's almost like you you can't coach for the level you're at. You have to coach for the level you want to get to. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I don't know that I will ever stop doing camps because of that reason. You know, I just think that it it goes all the way back to junior high. You know, uh, parents, kids, coaches, whoever you want to place the blame on. Um, they're so worried about winning. And so, you know, you've got, you got kids that are playing zone the whole time that they're in junior high, just so that they can win a junior high, you know, regional championship, um, where that's not actually helping anybody develop. Uh, you've got kids that are running plays the whole time while, when they're in grade school and junior high, instead of learning how to make reads off down screens mm-hmm. and learning how to set screens and learning, you know, how to actually, uh, do different things with the basketball um, or learning that footwork in practice. Instead, they're using the whole practice to learn plays so that when they get out there, they make sure that they run the play right. Um, and I tell kids, you know, especially, uh, you know, I tell our kids this even, you don't get two points for running the play right. Like you've yep. got to still look for somewhere to score in that play. Yes, I'm going to get mad if you mess up the play. But, you know, <laughs> if you get to the end of the play, and we still still don't have a shot, or we missed, you know, three different reads before that, I'm going to be more mad about that part. You know, like, I'm not giving you two points for, for running the play correctly. And I think that that's something that gets lost real early on. Uh, and that's why, you know, early in our season, we, we struggle a little bit with our offense, uh, probably more than anything, because we do so much individual skill development, uh, especially early in the season. Uh, to start to break some of those habits. We still do individual development. We probably do 30 to 40 minutes every day of practice through the entire season, which I think is a little bit unique. Um, you know, I actually read uh, a pure sweat thing one time that said, on average, uh, kids get up, I think it was 13 shots um, in pickup and like maybe, 
I don't know, 30 shots in a practice, an hour long practice. And I was like, wow, that's not anywhere close to enough. So we, we have the goal of each one of our kids getting up about 150 shots every practice, uh, which is tough to do when you're trying to also not practice for a really long time. But I do think that it's something that kind of teaches them what they're supposed to do in the off season too. Yeah, and and I'm that was actually gonna be my next question for you. You know, because we keep talking about skill development, that's something that I do. Obviously, that's kind of my my area of you know expertise. Yep. And and I wanted to ask you about you know how much you did you know during season and things like that because I know there's some high school kids you know that I work with and, and I work with them all through the summer. And then when the fall comes, like when August hits and like maybe I'll get them for a little bit in August and then they go, you know, when their preseason starts, I don't see them again till like the spring. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> you guys have to understand eventually you're going to hit a wall in your season because you're not getting the, your reps up. Like you're not like like you just said, like th- those numbers are like crazy when you think about it. Like so that's enough shots. Like think about the amount of shots that, you know, you get up in a summer workout or, you know, in, in, exactly. a, in, in, in a preseason workout. And then you're going, you know, from that to that. Like that's a ginormous drop. And and I know when I tell players that and even when I tell parents that they kind of give me the side eye because they think, oh, well, you know, you just want them to keep coming to you. And it's like, <laughs> no, it, you know, it's I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, but like it, it's not even that it's more so like you invested all this time, you know, and, and then I'm going to hate to see, you know, when you text me mid mid season and hey coach I'm really struggling you know shooting the ball I'm really struggling you know doing this or doing that and it's like yeah because you went from shooting you know hundreds of shots you know a day to right. 30 you know like so that so that's a problem and then I talked to I talked to a lot of high school kids and they just tell me you know horror stories about how like yeah we really don't shoot like at all and, and I'm not blaming coaches for that you know like I'm not right. I mean hey the in season you got to make sure you get your team development in I'm not blaming right. any coaches for that my thing with that though is as a player you have to take that upon yourself then and reach out to people like me to help you cuz that's why I'm here that that's all I do you know, I'm not, right. a, I'm not, I'm not a coach. I'm not tied up in anything. I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. And, and that's why I wanted to ask you and you already kind of hit on it, but like, I assume that, you know, when you were talking about how much you liked and how much you enjoyed and how good you were at skill development, you probably spent a lot of time on it. Yeah. Yeah. So we we're blessed. We have 10 baskets in our gym. Um, and so that's helpful uh, because you can put two kids on a basket uh, and get up a bunch of shots in 10 minutes, you know? Yep. Um, And so that's super helpful for us. What people don't realize a lot of times is in team shooting drills, you know, you're going 40 seconds for one shot. You know, you're standing in a line for a while and then you pass it to the next person. Then you got to go stand in that line. Then you're getting the shot and then you got to go back to the passing line. Um, And so, yeah, the whole team might be shooting for five minutes, but you might be getting up a total of six shots. And so that's what people don't realize sometimes, even if you throw in an extra ball, you know, I, I I know all those tricks where you got different shots going up and all those type of things too. You're still not getting up a ton of shots. Um, And so that really helps us having the different baskets, you know, a limiting factor for division three is the fact that we've got less coaches. That is one of the things about division one, when it comes to individual development, you know, you got four coaches out there. Uh, we've got less coaches and, um, you see that across every sport, you know, in the individual sports, it might be even worse. You know, you look at, at wrestling and, uh, we've got two coaches. Um, you got eight kids that are all, all individual athletes. That's a little bit tougher, you know, um, for us, at least, uh, we've got enough team concept stuff, um, that, you know, having two eyes isn't terrible sometimes. Um, but yeah, we do, I would say we're still. The nice thing for me is I try to hire an assistant based on my weaknesses if I can. So my assistant, uh, he played at Dominican, which is a Division three school in Chicago. Um, he's more of a post. So typically he's going to take the post. Um, he's younger. He, uh, I actually hired him as a GA straight out of college. So this is his second year. Um, this was his second year out of college. Uh, the good thing about him is he's super excited and wants to learn, you know, um, and he's constantly watching videos, watching indive- individual development, all that type of stuff. And he's been able to learn in my system. You know, uh, I, I do think that, that on the men's side, sometimes um, you they err on the side of athleticism. Uh, and so he's had to learn how to really break things down and 
make it a little bit more feasible uh, for the type of athlete that we're dealing with. Um, that isn't maybe just a freak athlete that has to be a little bit more skilled. And uh, so it's been good to watch him grow in that area. Um, but it's something where both of us are still getting better, you know, uh, and it, it's tough sometimes. You know, I think one of the things people don't realize is becoming a head coach is the first day in the gym. You are the only person that knows what anything is the way that you talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're an assistant coach, you're sitting there and you're like, man, I would change this and I would change this and I would do di- this different. Oh, no. Day one, you have to implement everything. So even your super basic drill that might be nothing for you, you know, like let's say shell drill. Everybody does shell drill a little bit different. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you are the only person that fully understands the way that you want everything done. And, and sometimes him and I have miscommunications with that in terms of like, I'll be like, oh, go do this. And then I look down there and I'm like, that's not what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just because we haven't done it before, you know, and so we haven't been on that that level with that particular skill before. And so sometimes we see that um, and. You know, sometimes it's me loosening the reins and not having complete control of everything. And when I am an individual skill development person, sometimes that's tough, you know, being yep. on one end and, and seeing what's going on going on at the other end and wanting to be like, oh, no, this needs to change or this needs to change or this needs to change. Um, and, and just kind of trusting him to work through some of those things, too. Yeah. And, and that's it's funny you said that because I was really exactly what I was going to ask you next is like the delegation thing. Like, is that like to me? Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm such a control freak in every aspect aspect of my life like literally like I I, want to do everything my way and and I've had I mean I've held camps and I've had hundreds of campers and and there's times that I'll have you know a handful of helpers and it's like this guy offers the help or she offers the help you know and and it's like no you know I don't want you to help because I don't know you know if you're going to be teaching what I want to teach and there's even times that I'll be honest I have groups and I think to myself if I had another person you know I could be a lot more efficient or you know whatever it may be and and I reflect on that sometimes but then I just think like I just it's hard for me to not I don't want to say trust because that's not really what it is it's just hard for me to to let another person take you know a a kid or a group of kids that, that I've been working with and teach them what I want taught and how I want it taught, you know, because ultimately we're all teaching the same thing. You know, if you're a good coach and a good, you know, if you're in the good skill development side of things and, you know, you're teaching good stuff, when push comes to shove, it's all the same stuff, you know, relatively, you know, the same, but everybody's approach is different. You know, I may teach this finish, you know, this way, and you may teach it that way, but ultimately it's the same end result but like as a control freak, I want it, you know, my way, you know, so right. it's my, I think, go yeah. ahead. I, I think all of us as coaches have that, as, that in us. Um, it's otherwise we wouldn't be at the point that we were at, you know, uh-huh. uh, uh, we wouldn't be head coaches or trainers or whatever if we didn't have that, you know, need for control a little bit. Um, I think that, uh, I, I guess my hope <laughs> and uh, one of the things I think I've gotten a little bit better at is. Um, or maybe that I just know that I have to do is I think the better I get at communicating, the more, the more I trust. Um, so the better that I get at explaining things to him or to whoever it is, um, the more that I trust that person. And I think that, uh, early on in the coaching careers, I think we all struggle a little bit with the ability to say something and it happened exactly the way that we want um, and I think that as we, it's just easier for us to just go do it. Um, you know, I, it was interesting. I was at a coaching clinic, uh, I think it was this fall. Yeah, it was this fall. Um, and Brian Mullins was there. He was the coach at Southern Illinois now. And he was, uh, at Southern when I was a player, he was a senior when I was a freshman. So I've always looked up to Brian. He was somebody that, you know, a lot of times I'd be on one end of the gym shooting and he'd be on the other and I would steal his drills like crazy. Uh, but it, he had a great first season uh, as a head coach. You know, he's been at Loyola um, and just a, a great basketball mind. Uh, and he was going through some shooting drills. And th- th- it's funny because there's just different things I noticed. But at one point in time, he had all three basketballs in his hand, making all three passes for the drill, which is never what would happen. <laughs> but it was while he was explaining the drill. And I was like, that is, that's a first-time head coach right there. Um, where you, you don't ask for help um, because you want it done a certain way uh, and you want to make sure it's done that way because you also want it to look the way you want it to look. 
Um, and then Brian's such a phenomenal, you know, was such a phenomenal point guard that every pass he made, even though he had three balls in his hand, uh, the laces were perfectly lined up. The pass was right on, on the spot and right on time. And those are little nuances that people don't realize, you know, is how ridiculous of a basketball player he was too. Um, and so I noticed both of those things, but I think that's one of the things about being a, a young coach is, is starting to learn how to do those things. And, um, w- really being more comfortable in your communication abilities than uh, just your uh, your coaching abilities, quote-unquote. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's something that I'll be honest to this day that, that I struggle with and something that I want to get better at and something that I, Absolutely. I, I have to learn to get better at because ultimately, you know, my goal is I want to continue to, to, you know, to expand and continue to hold larger camps and potentially travel to hold camps, and, and you can't do it all on your own, you know, because then, in my opinion, you, if you try to do that, you're actually going to water down the product and you're actually going to make it worse. So it's almost Absolutely. like you, either you either adapt or you don't, and then you then you lose opportunities potentially. So it's something that I definitely have to get better at, but I'm always interested to hear, you know, like the other side of that. So, you know, it's good to know that I'm not the only one that struggles oh, with I that. I struggle at camps too. Camps are – I love camps. Absolutely oh, yeah, me love too. Um, exhausting, but love it. Uh, and I struggle with the same thing, you know, but you can't run a good camp without having stations, you know, without yep. being able to trust people to run some of those groups for you. Um, and I, I guess my hope is a lot of times the people that are working for me are my players. And so the more they understand things throughout the year, the more they're going to be able to communicate those when we get to situations like that. Yep, exactly, exactly. Now I got I have my last question for you because I don't want to take up too much of your time. Something I always like to end with. So what what is one non-negotiable for you on a daily basis? Just one thing you have to do uh, every day. Obviously, I know now you have a lot more time, so maybe you have more time to, to, to think about this or, you know, something maybe you've done recently. Just anything, you know, and we'll get away from basketball, so nothing basketball related, just something that, that you personally do, maybe like a little habit or a little routine you have. Oh, wow. Um, that's tough. Um, I don't know if I, I got anything. You know, I I don't – I'm an early work, wake like I wake up pretty early every day. Um, uh-huh. So the last couple of weeks have been tough for me because there's not a lot of reason to wake up <laughs> yeah. early. Um, and I work out just about every day. Um, I'm not, I got to get some type of physical activity. And so, you know, we've got a group that works out together Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at like 11 and people are, you know, baffled by the fact that we do that right in the middle of the day. They're like, well, how do you do that? Like with all your work, like I have to, I got to mm-hmm. do it in order to be able to keep my brain, same, you know, even during season, regardless of what comes up, I've got to have that me time, you know, I've got to have that time to be able to reset. And and our kids know that too. They know that like, that's a time where like the, I'm not setting up meetings. Uh, You know, we got to figure other stuff out. And um, just because it's a a group of people I like to hang out with, you know, it's a group that uh, we all kind of push each other. Um, We will all hang out in the evenings together too. Um, but it's, it's kind of my release. Um, and it gives me, it's my, the workouts are hard enough that it's my one time to really not worry about work. You know, I've got to have something that is distracting enough so that I don't even remotely start to think about work. And the workouts are so hard sometimes that I'm so tired that I can't think about work at that point. Yep. Yep. And and that's, it's funny because that's the same thing with me is that's, you know, I have a lot of, I'm a big routine guy. So, I mean, it's not really, I could name about a hundred of them, but (laughs) the the, the thing that I have to do is I have to work out some type of physical activity because especially when you're a player, you know, you go from that strict routine and, you know, being in shape all the time, you can't just say, oh, okay, well I'm done, you know, (laughs) and just do nothing like mentally. It's just not good, you know, physically, obviously, but I think it's almost more so, you know, the, from the mental side of it, like I got to make sure I get something in every day you know it could be something different but it got to be something you know but yeah yeah absolutely and for us you know it's it's interesting because it's something that's rolled over to our team too so actually our uh our wrestling coach designed uh these plates they're they're called burp plates and that's what we work out with on Monday Wednesday Friday and you know we've now carried it over to our team so our team lifts uh four times a week um and it's our warm-up for practice and they use this they use the burp plates they've bought into it um, we got it to the end, end of the season and our kids are like, we feel so much stronger. Like we feel so much less like we are falling apart where last year I, we felt like we were, you know, taping people just to hold them together. 
Um, they really bought into the idea of it's making them stronger. Um, it's making them, you know, healthier in the long run. So there are a lot of them are using them here in the off season now too. Uh, and it's just something that kind of our whole program is bought into. So we do it by on our, on our own. And then our team does it as well. Yeah. So you got a win-win situation, <laughs> win-win Absolutely. situation. And now coach, before I let you go, tell everybody where to find you on, on social media and, and everything like that. Um, so on Twitter, um, my, my handle is Olivia let 23 um, Milliken women's basketball is Milliken WBB. Um, we've got Instagram, which with all the same handles. Uh, and then we're on Facebook as well. Awesome coach. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed talking to you and we'll definitely keep in touch in terms of the skill development stuff. I always like um, talk, talking to different coaches about that and just try, trying to learn as much as I can and bouncing ideas off people. So you're, you're always a good one to talk to. So I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pew Podcast. If you guys want to know when new episodes come out, head over to the Apple Podcast app, subscribe to the podcast, and while you're there, leave us a review. That would help the podcast grow tremendously, and I'd really appreciate it. Lastly, Make sure you guys are following me on all social media. So Twitter, I am at Anthony underscore Pew2. And Instagram, I'm at Anthony Pew2. And that's Pew, P-U-G-H. I appreciate your guys' support, and we'll catch you in the next one.